right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Feast your eyes and tune your ears. It's that time again. We are live with another episode of The Authority Project. It's the video podcast streamed on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope, where we talk to digital marketers, business coaches, and creators of all kinds on how they've built authority in their field and how you can mimic their success. Developing authority, building your audience, and attracting better clients to your own business. Now, without further ado, let's bring to the virtual stage your host, Brian S. Arnold. All right, here we are. We are in the building. Had a little delay there. My MacBook is just, it's its stalling like crazy. So I am here. <laughs> this is Brian S. Arnold here, the podcast host for the Authority Project. You are the project and you want to slap authority to your name so you can sell more of what you're great at. And I have my my new friend here. And I didn't even discuss his last name, but we're going to try it anyway. Um, I have Brendan Kamar Sami here. Um on the show, and he's going to show us, he says, how we can master the art of public speaking. How are you doing, my friend? Very good, Brian. How about you, man? I'm doing good. Doing great. So we're going to get into it today. I am so excited about this because I have lots of questions about lots of things on this topic, and I want you to hit it and hit it well. So first of all, before we do anything else, just let us know first of all who you are personally, then professionally. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. So my name is Brendan. I'm the founder of Master Talk, which is a YouTube channel I started to help the world master the art of communication and public speaking. How I got started, Brian, was simple. I was in university, and I used to do these things called case competitions. So think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So other guys my age, you know, are playing football or watching sports and doing things like that. Mm-hmm. Two things that I clearly wasn't well equipped for, as you can probably tell by looking at me. <laughs> what do you mean? Of course, you you, you do good. You do good. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate the love. So yeah, I just I just watched other people present. I gave presentations, and that was my life for three years. I did that competitively, nice. presented over five hundred times, coached dozens of people on public speaking, and then when I went to corporate, I guess Canada or corporate America, as we call it in the states, yeah. I just asked myself, what can I do more with my life? Realized all the information on public speaking was horrendous on YouTube. Started mm-hmm. making YouTube videos on the topic in my mother's basement, and here we are today. I love it. So um, you, you just gave me a qu- quick question that is not even on my question list here. What do you mean by horrendous? What, what, what do you mean by horrendous? That the things you saw were horrendous. Tell me, tell me about that real quick. Yeah, at least by my standard, Brian, but I can give you a quick <laughs> snapshot to that. So, so one YouTuber on the platform in particular really big channel. We're talking like, you know, 75, 80,000 subscribers, 100,000 subscribers. And they have a video called How to Manage Vocal Tones. Mm. There's a PhD in communication. And the video sounds like this. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to learn how to manage vocal tones. And I'm sitting there as a 21-year-old going, that is not how you manage your vocal tones. I'm pretty sure because if you can project sadness, yeah, anger, Hmm. happiness or excitement that's how you manage vocal tones not hello everybody so anyways just i just saw a lot of terrible stuff like you know imagine everyone their underpants or just really (laughs) nonsensical advice and a lot of them had phds and i just said this is bogus so that's what i mean by horrendous okay then the underpants thing is that supposed to be a very big thing so i'm glad you mentioned that so that doesn't work anymore (laughs) when did it work you tell me educate me (laughs) Oh 
Oh gosh. Okay. This is awesome. Okay. So, so you've already answered my first question about what led you on to the journey of coaching on public speaking. Obviously you had, you had, um, a lot of time, um, in your early years to really work that in and you had the skill level in place already. So tell me then, Brendan, what is so important about public speaking? Come on. What's important about that? (laughs) Well, lots of things for sure, Brian, but, (laughs) but I think the reason why we all want to master communication, public speaking has honestly nothing to do with presentations. I believe public speaking is everything in your life. The partner that you communicate to, the kids that you raise, the conversations that you have over dinner with the people that you enjoy speaking to, the coffee chats with people you like, everything that you do is public speaking. And in the same realm as that, especially if you're someone who's passionate about an idea and you want to spread it to more people, public speaking is the vehicle that allows you to share a message with millions of people instead of just a couple of hundred. Awesome. Okay, so I got a different a different question that I'm just going to bring it out. So what if you're introverted and shy about speaking in public? Is there still a way? I mean, I, I have trouble having people just do a, a regular live stream. I remember I had a channel a long time ago. We were trying to get, you know, shy people out of their shells. And you have no idea how hard that is, you know, much less get them on stage. So what do you have to say about that? So many things. We can make a whole podcast on just that <laughs> question alone. Let's let's kill that myth right away, Brian. Okay. Like right away. Okay. How does it make sense that introverts are bad speakers? Does that imply that everyone who's in theater is an extrovert? How does that make any sense? Obviously there's introverts, people who are shy, people who don't like the stage, who love theater and who love to be on stage. So here's the punchline. The punchline isn't that introverts are bad speakers. The problem is that introverts aren't aware of their strengths as speakers. That is a very different thing. That's why I made a whole video on the three public speaking tips that apply for introverts, but I'll give it to you right now. Okay. Introverts have three key advantages over any extroverted speaker like me. Number one is their ability to pause is a lot easier for them to take a grasp on. So the fundamental skill in public speaking is your ability to pause for periods of time to draw emphasis to specific parts of a message. So let's say that you you want to pause. For an introvert, that's easier to grasp because they spend a lot more time on average in silence. Mm. They're reading a book. They might be listening to a dinner conversation that they're not participating in as much, yeah. but they're spending a lot of time in silence. When I coach them on silence, it's easy. They just they go, yeah, I get it. They pause for like a couple of seconds and they catch on. Versus an extrovert like me, it took me years to get silences right because I love to talk. So let's say we're having a conversation right now. I'm yapping, I'm yapping, I'm yapping. Whenever there's a pause, I get uncomfortable. I go, oh, what am I supposed to do here? What am I supposed oh. to do in this pause? Okay. Introverts have that advantage. Number two, silences and listening skills more specifically. Introverts are excellent listeners because once again, they spend more time listening than talking. So it's easier for them to tailor their message, tailor their ideas, their responses in a way that audiences understand them better versus an extrovert like me that spends all the time yapping so I can't listen <laughs> to what the other person is saying. 
Yeah. Number three, introvert speakers are generally more like than extroverted ones. And I'll explain what I mean by that. The issue with being a super extroverted speaker is you're very polarizing. Take Gary Vaynerchuk as an example. You either really like him as a speaker. For those who don't know, Gary Vee is like a CEO of uh, marketing agencies, very successful speaking career. And then you have a huge amount of people who hate him. You don't really have an in-between thing. I'm a huge fan of Gary Vee personally, but you have a bunch of people who just hate the guy for whatever reason. (laughs) But when you think about Seth Godin, who's in the same space as Gary, marketing, social media, how to share a message, how to communicate change, and they're both really good friends. There's nobody out there who goes, I hate Seth Godin. Seth Godin is terrible. Nobody says that because he's more introverted. He's able to create a space where everybody can listen. So what am I trying to prove here? Am I trying to prove that introverts are better, that extroverts are better? No. The thesis that I'm trying to prove is your ability to be a strong communicator does not mean understanding the box you're in. It's about understanding how good you are as a speaker and your willingness to learn from the other. So if you're an introvert, are you willing to learn from the extrovert? And if you're an extrovert like me, are you willing to learn from the introvert? That's the punchline. I love it. That's that's perfect, dude. <laughs> that's perfect. So let's get right into it because that's, that's a whole lot of how-to, but let's get some more how-tos here. How now, because I know I'm an introvert and it's very important for me to be prepared for prepared. Actually, you know what? Let me take that back. Sometimes I, sometimes I, I, I like to be prepared or being in, in the position of being prepared. However, I would rather not wait too long to, to present, if that makes sense to you. So, so cause, because I, cause I get nervous if I wait too long. I want, I want to just get out there and do it. That's a whole other story. But how do you prepare for a presentation? Give us some quick how-tos on how to do that. Right. So a couple of things that come to mind. The first thing that you mentioned is where do those nerves come from? You know, we we seem to be nervous about public speaking. We seem to be scared of it. We seem to be worried. But nobody understands why. I talk to people in New Zealand, Japan, a bunch of places. We're all scared. We don't know why. So let me clarify that. Where do we give the vast majority of our presentations? Because that's probably where the answer is. (laughs) The answer to that question is school, high school, college, university. That's where we give 99% of presentations. Because mm. let's face it, we don't wake up in the morning and go, hey, Brian, you want to get some breakfast today and present all day? <laughs> that doesn't really happen, even if Good you're point. an extrovert like me. It just doesn't. So you're in high school, and three things happen. Number one, you never get to pick the topic, and it's generally something you're not even passionate about. Think about the Renaissance in history class. Number two, teachers, or more specifically, students, don't listen to you. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Not because they don't care about you. We're all great people. They're worried about their own presentation because they got to go in 10 minutes. So they're not paying attention to what you're saying. Number three, teachers are too stressed to coaches. Teachers are great. Teachers are well-educated, well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. When you got 50 students in a class, you got two classes to go through all the presentations. I don't have 10 minutes to sit you down, Brian, and say, let's work on your communication skills, right? <laughs> that doesn't happen. But if this behavior gets perpetuated, and every single presentation we give, math, sciences, languages, French, gym, music, over and over again, we're conditioned, we're taught to believe that public speaking 
It's a chore. It's a yeah. responsibility. If we're at school, it's tied to a grade. If it's at work, it's tied to a result. And if we fail at any part of this journey, we get punished for it, whether it's mm. a lower grade or whether it's a poor promotion that we don't get. That's where the fear comes from. And that's why you get nerves in the first place. We need to reverse that. So it's, it's the fear of rejection, right? If we have you people saying, well, that sucked, you know, that, or, or it's the fear of seeing people's eyes when you're on stage and you can tell they are just turned off, right? Am I right? I think everybody's had that time when you're just, I can remember, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, should I tell the story? I'm not sure if I tell, want to tell the story or not, but uh, I was, I was, I had I had a little presentation that I didn't really want to go on for this when I was in my little stint of uh, coding school. And so I wasn't prepared and everything else. And I didn't really want to go up there, but the guy made me go up there anyway. And it was just dead silence. Cause I was just like, uh, 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 and that's the fear, Brendan. We don't want dead silence. So Here's a question I didn't even put up, didn't even prepare for, but Rach comes up here and says, fear stops so much. Exactly. (laughs) You are so right. So right about that. So it's it's the fear of the the silence. So tell me, like, how to get people's attention, how to get people excited and captured. That's what I want to hear right now. Right. And the truth is, there's no silver bullet to that, Brian, right? I think I think the first step to mastering public speaking is to first realize where the origin of our fear comes from. So you mm-hmm. mentioned, you know, the coding challenges, the coding presentations. So obviously not the most exciting part of your day, no. right? So you're presenting <laughs> something you don't like and all that stuff. So the first step to conquering public speaking is understanding that the fear isn't real. The fear is not our fault. It is the fault of the system in which we grew up learning public speaking. Mm. So now back to your question, how do we get people engaged? How do we reverse that trend? The way that you do it, it's actually a lot more simpler than you might think. It's what I call the repeatable presentation. Mm -hmm. If you present one presentation hundreds of times, not the other way around, you will become exceptional in a very short period of time. I'll give you an analogy to demonstrate this. Say you're playing piano the first time. You got two options. Option one, try a bunch of different songs and figure it out. That works pretty well if you're Mozart, which most of us aren't. (laughs) And option two, much like this podcast, you just keep doing it. You say, let me just do one song in the same way that you're doing one show and you focus on the show. And then over time, you become a better host or in the case of piano, you master that one song, right? You play it somewhere in an event and everyone goes, wow, Brian, you're Mm -hmm. such a talented pianist. And you're just like, well, I know one song, but thanks. And then you get that ego boost, that confidence that tells you, man, I can master more. But we don't do that in public speaking. It's Wednesday. Our boss, our client, our teacher comes up to us and says, Brian, I need a presentation for Friday. So you spent two days not talking to your family, getting a presentation together. (laughs) 15 hours of work. You finally present it. And then what do you do? You put it in the garbage and then you start over again on another one. Whereas people like Gary Vaynerchuk, once again, 13 years, same presentation, man. He literally comes up on stage and goes, yeah, so uh, Soviet Union, Belarus came to the States. You guys got any questions for me? Same shit all the time. That's why it works. <laughs> yeah, because I think I think we all have a we all have basically one skill set or one thing that we teach. 
So we should be able to get, to get used to saying the same thing over and over again. Because after a while, that's what we do. If, we, if this is what we do, then we're going to be saying, you know, you would, you would think that we're going to be saying the same things over and over again because that's what works for us. And that's what we teach, right? So I'm glad you said that. That's amazing. I'm glad that you said that. Now, I will say this, that for someone like me, yes, I, I think as far especially with this podcast, I, I do see some of the same things, some of the same questions, but not all of them are the same. Because for me, I like to mix, I like, I like things to be, to be mixed up a little bit. But now that I hear you say that, I'm just, I'm just telling myself right now, I guess. <laughs> now, that, now that I hear you say that, you are so right about that. If you're just seeing the same, if you have the same presentation, the same stories, you're going to reach, because I was thinking like you have to mix it up, but you're not going to always be sit, talking to the same audience. Is that what you're saying? Is that what you mean by that, Brendan? Exactly. So, so to build on that more, back to your idea of engagement. You cannot engage an audience if you've only presented the same pitch once. Because you're only asking yourself one question when you're preparing it, which is, what content should I put in this thing? I don't know what slides I should put in this thing. Mm. But if you present the same thing 20 times, you're not asking the content question anymore. It's over. You know the content. Mm. Now you're asking, hmm, how am I coming off in this presentation? What emotions am I conveying here? Does Mm. my audience actually understand what I'm saying? And if not, are there better ways to do this? And back to what you were saying that I loved is this idea of, yeah, for sure, for you, you're presenting the same thing over again, which is your job if you want to be amazing at communication, but you're always presenting to new audiences. So now I've probably presented it in, like as of today, maybe 900 up to a thousand times now. Wow. Half of those times was the same presentation, <laughs> right? Yeah. So whenever, you know, the International Association of, of some so-and-so goes oh my god like this is the best thing i ever heard on public speaking well for me it's probably the 500th time i've heard it but i execute it well because of that i love it okay so what if you need to take or need to get on stage like tomorrow what can you do what is the easiest way to go about putting together a presentation on the fly so that it's still you know, I want to say spectacular, but it it um it gets the job done. How about that? Yeah, change the date of the presentation. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I'm not a big fan of impromptu. I think that's why most of us are terrible communicators. Yeah. You cannot master impromptu presentations, in my opinion, if you don't work on the foundations first. Mm-hmm. There are easy ways to get like to get better over time. But I really want to push this idea. There's no quick wins in communication, but there is a a short one if you put in the work. So in my opinion, here's what you should be doing. One, find a problem that you want to solve in the world where if you spoke on the topic, it would help someone. Whether it's health tips, recipes you like to make, your favorite cupcake recipe that brings joy to the world, tips on how to monetize a podcast, something you mm-hmm. probably know a bit about, you know, things like that. Yeah. And then when you figure out that one thing, so for me, it's communication. I don't speak on anything else. Well, obviously I talk about other things, but my YouTube channel is only focused on that. So is my keynote. So then yeah. after a hundred times of doing that, my confidence as a speaker skyrockets. And then that skill, that newfound confidence, I can apply to brand new presentations. So now if I do off the cusp presentations, I'm used to it. And I can do it well, not because I'm special, not because I'm unique, but because I've done 
something else I'm really confident in hundreds of times before. But there is an easy exercise that you can do on a daily basis that gets you better faster at impromptu. It's called the random word exercise. And I'd love to demonstrate it. So Brian, why don't you just give me a random word? Um, Run. Run. Okay, you you made it easy on me. So what I need to do now (laughs) is I need to create a presentation out of thin air. So here I go. Okay, I'm going to put you front and center. Here we go. (laughs) Some people like to walk. They enjoy the nature, the joy of walking, and the ray of sunshine that illuminates their day. But some of us, a very few percentage of us, want more out of life than just a simple walk or worse, a simple visit to the couch. They want to go for a run. They want to achieve greater things. They want to exercise more. And they want to show through the regiment, through the way that they are, that they can run anywhere and achieve anything running isn't just a sport isn't something that we do it's a way of life it's a way of showing the world that we can get to any destination that we want to get to so my question to you is when are you going to start to run not just in real life the actual act of running but everything else the project you wanted to start the family that you wanted to raise, the trips you wanted to go on, when are you going to start going on a run? That was amazing, that was amazing dude. <laughs> yeah, so, so the point I want to drive here is don't compare yeah. yourself to me. I'm like a slave on podcasts where I literally do this every time I want a show. <laughs> so I've done this like 2,000 times. So don't compare yourself to me. Second mm-hmm. thing that I want to push is all I'm asking for is five minutes of your day, not 10 hours, mm-hmm. five minutes. You pick five words, one minute each, lamppost, hmm. games, uh, I don't know, floor, tree. I'm just looking around my basement now. And then from those five words, you invent stuff. If you do this for a year, you'll have done the exercise as many times as I have. And another thing, last thing, is if you could present on hippos for a minute, I can guarantee you that when you go back to the presentation that you're an expert in, that you spent your life dedicating towards, that presentation that you once found nervous will suddenly become a joke. Wow. I love that. I love that exercise. I love that exercise. Maybe I'll start doing that on, maybe I'll start doing something like that and go live with it maybe. And I think someone else, someone has the um, applause for that as well. Yeah. Great job, dude. Um, so let me ask you, what is the biggest mistake you see with people speaking on stage? What's the biggest thing that you see wrong? Definitely lack of preparation. I don't don't think most people take speaking seriously enough. You know, they get the stage and they go, oh, you know, I'm just going to wing it and see what happens. Whereas I think the people who really become, you know, the best speakers in the world, the people who truly have a message worth sharing that people want to hear are the people that aren't afraid to keep presenting the same topic over and over and over and over again until it's Mm -hmm. perfect. I mean, the questions you're asking me, Brian, it's not the first time being asked these questions, Yeah. right? Right. It's, it's, it's been a while now since so I've been podcasting. So the reason why I'm saying that is why do I decide to show up anyways with the same questions? Because <laughs> I care so much that I want people to hear it. Yeah. I want people to master communication, even if it means I might be bored out of my mind, something I won't comment <laughs> on for sure. <laughs> I still need to show up anyways. And that right. is what a professional is. That's what a professional or somebody who cares about their ideas does. 
and somebody who wants to master public speaking as well. Okay. So we talked a little bit about this before the camera and it's about um, 2020 (laughs) and how public speaking is in chaos right now or non-existent because of the epidemic environment that we live in, unfortunately, right now. How have you um, dealt with that um, in this space? Have you gone more virtual? Obviously, you're doing a lot more podcasts, but how have you dealt with that personally? Yeah, I think I think the <laughs> yeah, of course. I think the idea here for everybody that that is my lesson on on 2020 is you need to realize who the real enemy is. You know, I ask this all the time, Brian, to people: Who's your enemy? Who are people that are out to get you? They'll always respond like this. That dude who cut me off in traffic, my girlfriend, <laughs> my mom's like, hey, whoa, your girlfriend and mom? Like, what? Yeah, <laughs> That's your family. Yeah. You know, yeah. they go crazy. But I, what I always tell people is that you got it all wrong. We all have the same enemy, like yeah. every one of us. And that enemy is time. You can throw money at time. You can yell at time. You can scream at time. You can throw dirt at time. Time will always win in the end. And once you realize that, you have to figure out how to reinvest it. Because a lot of people, like I was telling you before, are like, oh, yeah, 2020 is canceled. As if you can go to a bank and get a (laughs) loan for it. Hey, can I get the year back? Like, that doesn't happen, people. Did I lose 70% of my revenue? Absolutely. Was I depressed for a couple of days? You betcha. But I think (laughs) the big difference is I didn't spend too much time moping about it. I pivoted. I just said, okay. Do I still have a message worth sharing? Probably. Mm-hmm. Are there people who want to hear it? I would guess so, because they probably want to figure out how to present online. And the third thing, is is Master Talk still a YouTube channel and something I want to share with people? Yeah. It doesn't matter if there's 10 COVIDs or one COVID going on. Right. So the difference is I started asking a new set of questions. If I can't go to conferences anymore, or if I can't attend them or speak at them, what do I do now? So then tactics like guesting on podcasts and other things. Absolutely. Right. I yeah. totally agree with the adjust comment that was made. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all about adjusting. Yeah, and I adjusted. I learn a lot more and I spend four hours instead of two reading or listening to podcasts. I guest on a lot more shows. I'm creating my content five years in advance. Now I have content mm. now until June of 2022. Nice. Right. Yeah. I write a YouTube video every day now because I have time for it. The question is not how are you going to deal with the situation? The question is how are you going to use the same time that everyone else has in a way that's more impactful. So when the gates open up again, you're sprinting for the finish line where everyone else is, is like walking. I'm glad you, I'm glad you said that. When I started this, this podcast kind of thing, live streaming, I, my, my biggest thing for people who are watching was that this is a defining moment for, for them. What can you say that you've done or will have, or would have done a year from now? And it's 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 going to be telling what people what people whether they adjusted like Rach said on here. Hope I got her name right, uh, or they have wished themselves back too too much to normal. And I think that's an, I think that's an important thing that you're doing. And I see people that I know are doing exactly what you're doing. They're pivoting. They are creating different things now. They're they're showing more of themselves. And I just hope people really get that point. I know we're talking about speaking, but get that point about pivoting, even in, the, in these circumstances, because you can create even you can create still in these circumstances. 
So, so my last question, I have a couple more, but I want to, I got a couple more, but just this one here. Call to action. Cause it's great. We can get on stage and, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're got, you're capturing the crowd. You got the, you got them attentive and da da da. You're, you're feeling great. You know, you're, 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 Making them smile and laugh, maybe da 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 da. But the call to action, where, where does that come come into the place where you're confident in presenting your offer, or what you offer on stage? Because that has to be a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the way I see this, Brian, is very simple. Confidence is not about drinking a glass of water before a presentation. It's not about breathing. It's not about any of those things. Or else I'd put a suit on for this. Awesome. I'm glad we cut your name right. <laughs> I think the idea is that confidence stems and not it's not power posing or anything like that. It's a belief system. Yeah. What is worth fighting for? Why are you even doing it in the first place? And I'm the best example here. I started a YouTube channel on public speaking and communication tips at the age of 22. Mm. And I started coaching CEOs of huge companies at 23 and I'm sitting right now on a mattress while I'm speaking to you. So where in the world is my confidence coming from? My confidence comes from a belief that every single person in the world that speaks English and can't afford a speech coach should have access to free information on how to master their talk anyways. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter that I don't have a PhD. It doesn't matter that I started making videos in my mother's basement. The only thing that matters is that their videos are helpful, they're adding value to people, and I keep making them better every time. And as long as I'm doing all of those three things, I am going to be confident because I need to for the people who rely on my information, whether they're 16, 13, 18, or even older than me, you know, 30, 40, 50, whatever. But if you don't have a belief system, if you don't know why you do the things that you do or what you stand for or what you're worth fighting for, you're never going to be confident in anything, not just presentations. Yeah. Okay. <sighs> okay. So last question. I asked this of all of my guests and it goes simply like this. They see you. They see Brendan. They, they, they love everything about you. They see that swag that you got. I, I mentioned that yet, but you got a little swag going on. That's <laughs> good, right? Right, <laughs> and they love how you present. They 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 want to go in the same circles. They want to present on stage. They want to be to be you know the, to do the things that you're that you're doing right now. And maybe I have one more question after this, but <laughs> maybe I have one more question after this. Um, how do they become an authority in this space? Right, that's a very loaded one because it's a long one. But I think the the answer, it's a simple question, hard answer, honestly, Brian. But I think the big way you need to think about this is the following, which is my definition of value that I got from Christo from the future. And he says this. He says the definition of value is tell me something I don't already know. Let me repeat mm -hmm. that again. The definition of value is tell me something I don't already know. I hope that in this show that we've this time we spent together that I've told you stuff that I didn't you didn't know because if you knew everything I told you I did not add value to your life I could have came on the show and said you know Brian they tell us and let me tell you you surround yourself with the people or never give up or all that <laughs> stuff and all that's great advice the end of the way 
<laughs> nice you already know. So what yeah. does it mean to be an authority in your space? Yeah. It means telling people what you know that other people don't. What is something controversial that you believe in? Something that you believe to be true. And it's through those opinions that develops your authority. And I'll give you the number one example in my industry with me. I believe public speaking fear is a myth. I don't think it's real. I think the reason it exists for most of us, not all of us, I'm sure it's real for some people, for most of us, is because of the way we learned public speaking growing up. Yeah. Let me paint a different picture. If you were six years old, Brian, I, and I sat there and I was your teacher and I asked you, Brian, what do you like to do? And you said sports or board games. And we made presentations around that. I don't yeah. think you would have the same fear that you do today on public speaking. I don't think that's real. I don't think the fear of public speaking is a real thing for mm-hmm. most people. But most people in my industry don't even address it. Instead, they start their workshop saying, did you know that after death, public speaking fear is rampant about society? They do that to sell more programs. (laughs) And it frustrates the crap out of me. (laughs) This is the key. That is a controversial belief. What I just said, a lot of people wouldn't agree with. They would say something like, what are you talking about? The fear of public speaking is obviously real. I, I went through it. I don't think that's true. Right, I think it's the way you were raised, the way that you grew up learning it. Or else, why would 16-year-old Julia love theater? Because her perception of public speaking is different. She doesn't see it as a chore. She sees it as a way to entertain, as a way to persuade, as a way to share an idea, as a way to make other people happy. So she's not afraid of public speaking, not because she's an extrovert, because the perception's different. So for you who wants to be an authority in the space, everyone is listening, what are the things that you believe about the world that nobody else does? And the Mm -hmm. second part of that is are you willing to share it regardless? Even Most people have controversial ideas, but 99% of them aren't willing to share it. That's why I respect people like Gary Vee. That's why I respect people like Seth Godin because not only do they have controversial ideas, they're not afraid to share it with the world. And I hope you do. It's awesome stuff, man. I I will I will add on tack onto that what you're saying. Even if your concepts are in, they're bound to be concepts that are just like everybody else. There's there's no there's no getting around that. There's no new ideas. Of course. But say it differently. You know, you know, people just say the same thing. Like you said, don't give up. You know. You know, take action. You know, <laughs> you know. Come on. You know, that's it's so stale right now. So, definitely, if you're gonna do anything out there, say it. If say it differently. If anything, if it it is anything that you that you take from this, not 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 from me, obviously, more from him, <laughs> more from Brendan than me. But you know, just to say, you know, if you're doing anything and you're just writing the same old stuff, I see this a lot when people write blog content. I'm just like, what is this? It's just the same drab stuff. Come on. But anyway, but I'm I'm so glad you're here, man. I had a last question just just off the top. Um and I wanted to I wanted I know we're we're a little over time here, but just off the top, just real quick, can you tell us briefly about your YouTube journey? Um and how it's progressed for you. I know you still got still got a ways to go. Everybody has, but tell us right now about, about your YouTube journey and why you chose that channel to to um, make your mark in online. 
Yeah, so for me, Brian, it was a really easy decision to go on YouTube. And the reason is because public speaking information is really hard to teach anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Instagram's cool. You know, I got my I, – and I do have Instagram. I got my one little minute clips there. But, like, I can't teach you public speaking in a minute. Same thing with – okay, Facebook is just dead, if I'm being honest. And then you have, <laughs> you know, YouTube. And then you have LinkedIn. LinkedIn's great. But you can't really grow a, f- a following with evergreen content. So, see, you make something today. It'll LinkedIn's disappear tough. tomorrow. You're very tough. Yeah. Same thing with Twitter. You make something today, disappears tomorrow. So really, if you want to be a thought leader, there's only three real options that you have, in my opinion. And I mean thought leader, not like Instagram, you know, thing or whatever. But I mean like for people to know who you are and follow you and in long form content. Podcasting is one of them. Blogging is the second one. And third one is YouTube. I don't like to write, so blogs didn't make sense for me. Podcasts are really hard to promote, so I guessed on them instead. YouTube was the one thing that I was like, this is perfect for me. Mm -hmm. And for me, the YouTube channel and the journey was pretty simple. Started making videos in my basement, mother's basement. Didn't have any money for budgets or, uh, you know, I used my phone and grainy videos. They sucked. And I thought Master was a stupid idea. So I have, I have, I have a day job, but like, and I'm, you know, as a technology consultant, so I do really well for myself. So for me, Master was never supposed to be like this grander vision. It was just this, I was just a dude in a basement making videos, nothing more. But mm-hmm. over time, more people started watching. They said, Hey, wait a minute, Brent, I think you're onto something. It's like, really? I thought it was a stupid idea. And then over time it grew from me in my basement to professionally editing stuff to saying, oh, I could democratize the world's information on public speaking. And then the vision over time grows. So a good way of summarizing the journey, Brian, is the following sentence. Progression leads to obsession. The more you progress in something, the more obsessed you get in getting it done, provided it's something you have an interest in. So I encourage people to take the first step. I was scared, like, like crap just to share my first video that's coming from a guy who's a professional speaker back in the day (laughs) so if i was scared imagine like i can imagine the fear you all had but over time once you Mm -hmm. realize who you're doing this for what you're doing it for and the people who come up to you and say you really changed my life with your videos then you're just all in at that point if you really care i love it awesome stuff i'm glad you took that time to to answer that last question i want to get that in there so I am done with the questions, but tell us now how people can get a hold of you. I guess we got one last question here. How long did it take you to get where you are now? I guess he's talking about your YouTube, I guess. If I'm being if I'm being honest with my life, and that includes YouTube, probably twelve years. You know, yeah. I'm twenty-four now, Rage, yeah. but I but I started asking a lot of the philosophical questions about life when I was twelve. Yeah. So career counselor came up to us and they said, Hey, you should like figure out what you want to do in the future. And obviously you're 12, so you're like, I don't care about this stuff. But I sat there and I said, hey, you know, I live in poverty. I have a lot of money. I should probably figure this out. So I went home, spent six hours, six hours breaking Mm -hmm. down what career paths I wanted to take, all that stuff. And from that moment, I started personal development, started listening to podcasts when I was uh, 17, 18. And I was really going on that journey, which led me to master talk. So I think the idea is it's a decade long journey for everyone. I just happen to play it a lot earlier than most people. But the point is to start the journey if you haven't all weather already. And I, and I'm sure it'll pay off. It does pay off. People be patient. (laughs) If if you've heard nothing from all of the guests that I've had on here, patience is what you have to have. It's not a 90 day success story. It's not going to be that. You know, 30 days, this, 60 days, this, 90 days, this, no, it's, it just doesn't work. I mean, evaluate it year by year. You have to do that. You have to evaluate it year by year 
and, and just go for it. It's, it takes the time. It takes time, but it's going to work. It's going to work out in the end for sure. If you um, if you do that, and we got Rich saying, thank you, Bill. Thank you so much, Rich, for being on here. Thanks, Rich. I really appreciate it. So, tell people where they can connect with you after the show, Brendan. Of course. So, if you want to check out my YouTube videos, it's Master Talk in one word. Sure, all my free stuff there. So, feel free to check that out if you want to master your communication skills. And if you want to send me a message directly with any questions, comments, complaints, insults, super happy to take anything. That's Master Your Talk. Awesome. Awesome. All right. All right. So, and I have, oh, yeah, Andrew, got, that's quite common in <laughs> being dropped. Yeah. The dude is awesome, right? I appreciate that, Andrew. The dude is awesome. I'm glad to get you on here. Um, theauthorityletter.com is where you need to go for the last two weeks of our eight week digital product giveaway. We're giving away this weekend Anchor Bluetooth wireless headphones. And uh, we all got a lot of people, a lot of entries already, but go in there. Cause you just never know. I have people who, who've, who've won with a lot of entries. One, pe- one person just won with like three entries. So, and that's only one, one click of a button. So there you go. So jump in there or how you, however you can, because you, you just never know the authority.com or Texas that we are live for two, two, two and stay on with this. Cause I'm going to give you some more free content. Even more so, yeah, wow. <laughs> Even more so about building your authority platform, just like my man here, Brendan, has uh, for himself with Master Your Talk. Um, I appreciate you so much, man. Any final words before we get out of here? I think the only thing left to say, Brian, is be insane or be the same. If you made it this far into the show and you're still listening, then my only advice for you is the following. You probably want to make a difference in the world. You probably want to get better at whatever it is that you're doing. And the only tip that I have for you is if you try and be like everyone else, you'll go nowhere. So start making decisions that make sense to the only person that matters, which is you. I love it. Awesome stuff. We are out of here. We'll see you next time on the Authority Project. Remember, you are the project. We want to slap authority to your name so you can sell more of what you're great at. And that's a wrap. Be blessed and have a great weekend. We're out of here. And that's a wrap for this episode of The Authority Project. Thanks so much for tuning in. And if you like what you heard, we want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and give an honest review. Share and tell your friends so they can hear too. And for even more authority-building tactics, be sure to sign up at theauthorityletter.com. Get free weekly content and ongoing digital product giveaways to help you on your entrepreneurial journey. We certainly hope you got a key takeaway or maybe an aha moment from today's broadcast. Just remember, it's your authority. Build it, share it, and they will come. Until next time.